Yo, 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 what's poppin' everybody? This your boy Smackabated Don, and you are now tuned into Luella Lifestyle's Casual Conversations. This is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything that comes to mind, from sex to love to finances to fashion. So, before we introduce, I gotta get the sneak peek out the way, because y'all know how I get into conversations, and then I do the sneak peek. So, we're gonna do the sneak peek first. Marv, hit me with the sneak peek. Today, I have on uh, Air Force One Experimentals. I love these. They weird. Y'all know I like ugly stuff. Fun fact, the foam off of these were on uh, NASA. They used to use these for NASA, uh, the NASA mask and stuff like that. So Nike did like a little collab with them. It looks good. I love them. Now, with my guest, this is my boy Louis P. want to introduce him. How you doing, brother? Glad to have you. My boy has a throwback on. So Supras. If anybody knows back in the day, like, the type of sneakers that everybody was into, the Supras were a big thing, bro. This, this, this was a big thing. I was more so into the shades back then. But the Supras is a nice throwback. This is something that I think is coming back right about now. Supras is making a comeback. They got some collabs going on with uh, with 9.5, I think, or 5.9, whatever. So it's a, it's a dope thing. I love it. I love it. Give it up for the sneak peeks. Now, I just want to welcome everybody back because when you guys see this, I've been on in season three. This is episode one. This is the season premiere. So I have my boy Louis P. Me and Louis P. have been friends for a long time, uh, four or five years now. Yeah, it's, it's quick. been a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. So uh, this episode is called uh, Producing Perfection, and, and you'll see why later on in this show. So uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, so so uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Rockin' County. Okay. Uh, Spring Valley, to be specific. I was born in the Bronx, and I was raised out in Rockland. Okay, okay, okay. And now, where did, where did the name Louis P. originate? It's kind of a play on, on a bunch of different things, my real name being Louis. And when I, st- when I first started going into rapping, there was, like, a couple people that just started associating me with uh, the term problem. Okay. Like, it was like, yo, you a problem, you a problem, you a problem. And then I adopted it as pesos. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Symbolizing when I started taking my craft seriously, I started investing in myself, and my goal was to stay close to the money. So I kind of put that together. And then it spawned where a lot of people kept saying, yo, pizzle, pee, fizzle, that shit like yeah. that. So it kind of just stuck that way. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Uh, I, I think we want to... He has a bunch of different parts, a, a bunch of different moving parts. Right now, you're into production. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used to do hip hop. Do you still hop in the booth time to time? No. Nah. Now nah, you're done with it. No. Officially. When the last time that we chatted, you was like, mm, I think I'm going to go in the acting direction. <laughs> that was when you did the uh, the martial arts one. Yeah. Dope one. I remember when that came out when I was still uh, working with you. And um, so now. Uh, hip hop is really like something that you love, but it's more like uh, you putting that on hold or to the side. Never done. Um, I never like to say people done with hip hop because hip hop is a love that always comes back. I'm gonna say that I'm I don't love hip hop. I I love it. Mm. I love the era of hip hop that I grew up on. Okay. I'm not really too big in the current landscape of hip hop. Oh, we gonna get into that. Don't don't <laughs> don't jump conversations. No. Okay. All right. So so let's let's go. Let's start right there. What does hip hop mean to you? Hip-hop is a lifestyle. Uh, Hip-hop is a self-form of expression. It's a mm-hmm. passion. It's, uh, it's the way you live. It's the way you, the way you walk, the way you dress, the way you... It's, 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 hip-hop is a representation of you. It could mean like a many different things depending on your upbringing, depending on what you're exposed to and what you're into. So you really feel like, you really feel like rap is the art and hip-hop is the culture? Yes. Okay. 
I, do I look at it like that? Yeah. I guess I never thought about it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess that's true. Like, even, like, when movies, when they talk about hip-hop and stuff, hip-hop is really the culture. When you think about, like, the, uh, what was that with uh, Most Def and, uh, what's her name? Brown, was that Brown Sugar? That was Brown Sugar. Might have been. Yeah, so I feel like hip-hop is like a cultural thing, so I get what you coming up with that. Uh, what was one song that single-handedly made you fall in love with hip-hop? Like, what was like, all right, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with this now. Um, I'm going to say it's uh, Tupac's Brenda's Got a Baby. Oh, because good one. Because Tupac was the first rapper that really resonated with me on a level beyond just being entertained. Like, okay. when I was younger, hearing certain records... But I would say it was it was that record, that record, and um, just listening to him through some older people that I knew that was listening to records that may not have been appropriate for me to listen to at a certain age. Mm-hmm. But it was really Tupac that kind of sparked my, like, inflamed love and wanting to be that someday. Do you remember the moment? Is it like a story like, yo, I was chilling on the porch... And I just heard this. Like, do you have like a story, or like, is it just like you know, Brenda, Brenda's got a baby? Is like what you were. I know it was just the first time. Like, it was in a room. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It was in a room playing off of a, um, you know, back back then. You know, you had the, the um, what you gonna call it? The setup where you got the the record player, the the the. Oh, the, um, oh, oh, the house unit. Yeah, the, the okay with the tweeters and the box. <laughs> yeah, I know some of my father one got of those, them. One of those, and um, I just remember hearing it playing, and I didn't really understand a lot of what I understand now back then mm-hmm. but it just it just touched me a certain way I was about to say that's a hard song to really just be like yo this what turned me out as a kid yeah but it was just something that as a as at that age just just be able to like really follow the story and just really be like painting the picture of it's like mm-hmm. a movie okay and it was just something that was really amazing to me and it just it just hit me a certain way cuz I never really I was when I when I was that age, I was more so like listening to like Barry White and Stevie Wonder and records that I would hear my grandfather play. So I wasn't really paying attention to hip hop like that. Okay. So so, so back back then, like I, I get what you're saying. Like I was listening to like Temptations mm-hmm. and uh, even like movies like The Five Heartbeats. That's what was going on in my house at the time. But the song for me, I remember this day like it was. That's why I actually did you have a story. So it was it was a day where like you know like those weekends where all your cousins is over your house mm-hmm. and it's like your parents not there but all y'all together and it's like the older cousin cousin watching y'all and I remember I was watching TV in my mom's room and bro no lie Mo Money Mo Problems <laughs> with uh, Notorious B.I.G. and mm-hmm. P Diddy and them came on and the video it wasn't just a song the video made me want to get a shiny suit and for some reason like I just was feeling that at the time bro mm-hmm. and you gotta think this was a time where like I was probably big in the power and just that was my thing back in the day so like the suits really had me like yo that's crazy they got the metallic suits that was something that I knew from then on hip hop was gonna be a staple in my life regardless of what so mm-hmm. just a little fun, sad, fun fact about me um while rapping, was was producing always the goal, or did you start to realize through growth and development that you could uh, that that could be the next step for you? No, when I first got into rap, that was really just what I was just enjoying doing, and I had a passion for. I always wanted to do some form of film, like okay. the Ice Cube route. Not really the producing writing part. I wanted to be like the on screen part at that time. Mm-hmm. That changed over the years, but at first, like when I first started out, that was kind of the goal to transition into doing that. 
was um was always an idea of mine. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know whether it would ever like come to fruition or be able to be a possibility. Yeah, when I first when I first started rapping and stuff, like that's all I really wanted to do. I just wanted to write, like writing. Hip on, on some real like rapping wasn't never really like the goal for me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if I had it my way and and the world was different, I would have never released anything. I just would go to the studio and just have it for me. Now mm-hmm. I know that, but back then it was more so people was like, "Yo, you need to release this. Like you gotta try. Like you got to." When I really enjoyed the writing part and the mechanics of it, rather than releasing it for the world. So like I like asking people that like, "Did you know your route?" Because I never thought in a million years that I would be doing like this right here like podcasting Mm -hmm. I never thought that was my thing I always thought that I was going to be the person getting interviewed and stuff like that but now seeing where I'm at the longevity the business aspect of it makes sense because I feel like podcasting and being a journalist that's never going to die because you could be whatever age Mm -hmm. Some people may disagree, but I feel like it's a bracket when it comes to rap. Like, you can't just be like, I, I'm 60 years old, time for me to hop in the booth and kill these bars. Nah, hell no. It's a bracket where you got to start off at. And honestly, when you look at most of the people in it, because not everybody, because you got, like, the 2 chains, people who got it, got in it when it was older. But, like, for the most part, that's like a 17, 18, 19-year-old young man's game when you look at it. For the most part, do you agree? In terms of getting into it, or in terms of like your peak level of like. In terms of getting into it, because I feel like your peak level don't happen until after you go through all the bullshit, mm-hmm. and then you be like, "I right, now let me teach the youngins what not to do." I feel like hip hop will rap, especially in today's landscape, is is kind of a young man's game because of the type of content that most of them are putting out. But I do feel there's a lane for the older. Um, the older rappers to succeed. Obviously, you have your, I wouldn't call them the norm, but I would call them like your, you know, your exceptions, your Jay-Z's, your Nas's, your Eminem's, guys that have been out for a long time and are still relevant today, Fat Joe. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I think a lot of the problem is, in just my personal opinion, a lot of the older, the older statesmen of hip-hop, when they come back out, a lot of times they try to replicate the sound of what is popping now. Okay. And it just comes off like you're pretending to be something and you just don't look comfortable. Mm. Where it's just like, if I if I like Migos, I like Migos because what they do. I don't want to hear KRS-One or this person try to Trying do that. To do Migos, I want to hear you that. try to do you. I don't tune in to you to hear that. Like, like that's my thing. Like I have guys I tune into. Like I'm on. I'm on. Um. I want to hear some lyrics today, so I'm gonna listen to this. I just want to vibe out. I'm gonna listen to this. So it kind of depends on the mood you're in. But I feel like there's a lane for that. It just has to, in my opinion, be relevant to where you are at the time you're putting out. That's why I liked uh, Jay Z's 444 project. That was an amazing. Project. Just from the perspective of like hearing so many people like, oh, I like the old Hove, or oh, he's just talking about his kids and art. It's like, well, I mean, he's not going to be talking about big pimping forever. Like, what do you... That's his life now. Yeah, and I, I think that's... I like that. I like to... I want to hear where you're at now. I don't yeah. want to hear what you used to be all the time. You okay. know what I'm saying? I, same thing with Nas's, Nas's last few projects. I feel like, you know, it's all part of the evolution like I respect when an artist tries to push the envelope. I respect your Kanye Wests to even if you don't like Donda or you don't like this. I respect the fact that you're trying to do something different. You're not trying to do what's hot. You're not trying to emulate someone else. You're you're trying to push the envelope in your way. Okay. And if people resonate with it, good. If they don't, that's cool. But I feel like the excitement for that stems from the fact that when a Kanye album drops, you don't know what you're gonna get. You know what I'm saying? Like. 
when 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 if Nas is dropping something, I want to hear where he's at now. Eminem just randomly pops something out, pops something out. I want to hear where you're at now. Like, I feel like that's the excitement. So I feel like there is a lane for the older statesmen. I just feel like if you're making records that are relevant to where you are now, there's always going to be people that relate to it. Because hip-hop is the only genre where we put a cap on our legends. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't say anything about Billy Joel or this person still rocking out when they get advanced age or James Brown killing it in his 60s or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we just, we look at our legends and, oh, you're too old, I don't want to hear from you. Absolutely. Instead of having that respect for the people that laid the foundation and appreciating what they could still bring to the table. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, If you guys don't know, this man is very articulate, <laughs> and this is going to be a real interview right here. It's not going to be answers, yes and no's. This is going to be an amazing, because we have some dope conversations when we used mm. to talk, like when me and him used to work together. Mm. And his intellect, like when you, when you talk about certain conversations, I'm not saying that you agree with everything, but he opens your mind to make you think about it a different way. So this is going to be a dope interview. So I just want to say before we get really, really into this video, thanks for coming up here because I felt like a lot of people who I do interview is dope conversation and everything like that. But some people only say their feelings and not statistically what's Mm -hmm. going on in the situation. And I feel like some of your answers are you not choosing a side, but telling what's the facts. And that's what's dope about it because it leaves, it makes a person think like, okay, I like, I like feeling like, damn, do this nigga agree or disagree? Did he answer my question? (laughs) I like feeling like that. I like feeling like that. So it's going to be dope. Uh, So now you got the website and everything popping out. Mm -hmm. This is, this, this, this is amazing for you. Like, because now you basically, not only do you have your platform, but you have your own platform to push other platforms now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I feel like when you came up with this, this was a stepping stone for you. So when did the website come about and how did you develop it? Uh, The website was, um, the website was a little while ago, but I wasn't necessarily 100% sure of the direction that I wanted to go mm-hmm. with um, what I was working on. So when I started getting into films, that was kind of an idea that I had, at least with the short films. I wanted to, to have a, a platform to showcase the short films. I wanted to have a platform to showcase uh, my, my web show that I do. So it was it was an easier medium for people to find it as opposed to like you have people that aren't really familiar with a YouTube or aren't really familiar with certain aspects of the internet so it's easy to just say here's the website click the link it's all there mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and then um, eventually branch out to the point where there's more that I can do where it's like I can um, monetize that way I can uh, produce product and just but at the at the moment at the stage where I am right now I'm just working on building the audience building the awareness and just trying to get better, you know what I'm saying, and, and and put out the best product possible before I really go. Because I don't want to cheat anybody that, you know, when I'm selling something, I want it to be the best that it can be, and I want it to be quality. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't want it to just be like, hey, support me just to support me. I want to put out the best quality I can. Now, when most people make platforms and things like that, the reason that I ask you that question is because most people, the reason that they make their own platform is mm-hmm. because they get put down by so many others. Like, it's so difficult or the route or you got to spend so much money, like, with the world stars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought that you were going to say, like, that was the reason that you came up with your own website. But it was more so of you just want to make sure that the product that you're putting out is as is as good as possible and is growing your own brand at the same time. That and I, I don't really want to rely on a middleman. Like okay. if I'm relying on someone else, I'm I'm relying on their outreach and I'm relying on I'm on their time. 
And, you know, in order to get awareness, it's like, that's cool, but I don't want the awareness to basically be, if I'm going to, if I'm going to put my time, effort, money, and resources into building something, I'd rather build it for myself as opposed to, you know. Putting it in somebody else's hands and then they just using it as a business prop. Yeah. I mean, partnerships and working together is always cool. I like the whole, you know, one hand scratches the other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We work together and build something that's always dope, but I also want to have a platform on my own to grow. I don't want to keep, it's like, you know, it's like, as opposed, it's like if I'm putting all this money into renting something as opposed to putting it into owning something. Absolutely. I would want to have that end lane to this is what's growing. Okay. So let's play, let's play a little game. We're going to play this little game right now. So you guys know what this is. This is who are you? Okay. Hmm. So me on this show, I always have an opinion. We know mm-hmm. this. We know this already. So, in this game, I can't have an opinion. It's only what you think and your explanation, and we move on to the next question. It's three questions, okay? Okay. So, you got to tell me what you would do in these situations. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Number one, would you let your ex stay with you for a month if they promised you 10K in the next 30 days? And it was true. Like, this was, it was, like, details behind it, people backing them up. Would you let your ex stay with you? Yes. Okay. I feel like that's easy for you to say, but I, but we're not going to get into that. Okay. <laughs> so, listen, number two, your mom and your dad's mom start arguing. She slaps your mom. What do you do? My mother and my grandmother. Your father's mother, though. Your mother and your father's mother. I, I, yes, it's your grandmother, but it's your father's mother. Uh, that's grown folk business. Okay. Okay. We like asking that question here because some people be having different answers. Number three, would you tell your best friend if your cousin slept with his girl? Would I tell my best friend if my, well, my best friend is a female. Okay. So. I'm pretty sure you got boy and girl cousins. (laughs) So would I tell my bet, my female best friend if her cousin. Your cousin. My cousin. Slept with. A man. Yes. That's what's up. That's what's up. Thank you for playing Who Are You? Round of applause for that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. It's rare that somebody would tell on their cousin for their best friend. I would. So, I, with, so. with all due respect, but I would. Okay. That's what's up. Next one. Let's get back to the topics. How did production on uh, Kicking It With Kenya come about? Um, well, Kenya is someone I've known for quite some time. I've been friends with her for a while, and she's always had an idea to want to kind of get into some form of hosting and okay. some form of um, uh, the entertainment um, industry in that in that lane. So we spoke for a while about possibly doing something like that, and then we kind of came up with the idea of, like, um, doing a podcast-style show, and she wanted it to be more in the vein of, like— um, like a home, like room, like like when you're just chilling with your homies, a just, vibe. just yeah, just vibing out on the couch, on just just chilling like that. So we had the idea to kind of make it like not really a podcast per se, but um, just make it more of like a web vlog, a web show where it has that Breakfast Club type feel, where it's just like we're not, it's not really just like you know, hey, what do you like? Just asking like generic level questions. And that's it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like really getting to know the person. So it kind of came across like that. So um, when we spoke about that, it was just like, all right, let's um, let's find a location. Let's um, let's let's test it out. Let's test the waters. And since we started, 
you know, we were able to start building up a lot of traction and, and a lot of new ideas that we're going to implement in the future as well. Okay. That's dope. So for anybody who doesn't know, Kicking It With Kenyon is, is a podcast that he produces. So that's what we were asking questions about. Uh, I feel like I didn't tell you guys that in the beginning of it. Um, was it scary venturing into something new that you never did before, or did you have an idea of how it was done? Um, it's always a fear, a, a little bit of uh, fear of doing something out of your comfort zone. Okay. But to me, it's a fun it's a fun process because I don't I'm not afraid to fail at something. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So if I the worst that could happen is okay, that wasn't good enough. Let me figure out what I did wrong. Let me see how I can apply what I did right and expand on that, and let's give it another go. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, how was it figuring it out? How long did it take you, like, around, like, a time? Or are you still figuring it out? I'm I'm still figuring it out. You okay. know what I mean? I, n- I never stopped learning. I never stopped trying to better myself or try to better a product, you know. So it's always listening to the feedback and analyzing and sifting through what we should and shouldn't do, what we want to and, you know, want to change, want to expand on, want to improve upon. So I'm, I'm still, it's, I'm always learning. Uh, because of your in- intellect, do you feel like sometimes you're a little hard on yourself when it comes to certain things? Or do other people ever tell you that you're hard on yourself? I've been told that, and I can be. I f- you're always going to be your biggest critic in certain okay. aspects because you're always, I feel like with me, I'm always going to look for what's wrong. I'm always going to look. When I did music and I put a, a tape out and, like, time goes on, I go back to that tape and I say, ah, oh, I could have done this better. Ah, oh, I should have done it this way. Same thing with the film. I look back and say, ah, oh, I should have did it from this angle. I should have got this shot. I should have got this. So I'm always going to look for what's wrong as opposed to, like, just enjoy what's right because I'm going to see things that maybe someone who wasn't in the creative process didn't see or someone who doesn't really have an eye for certain things doesn't see or doesn't really care to pay attention to. Yeah, or I, or I feel like because it's... Each each project that you do when you are in the entertainment industry, each product that you do is a painting. Mm-hmm. And you as an artist, you're the only one that knows how you wanted that painting to come out. Yeah. So you find the defects when somebody else thinks it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I think that was a good way to explain it. So I, w- I just want to first give a round of applause because you got two movies. You got two movies, bro. Short films. Short yeah. films. Okay. Degrade yourself. <laughs> Why don't you? All right, so I see that you that, that you have like two of the short films. So um, on, on the website, how did the roles come about though? Um, well, the first short film that we did, the Ramel Carter project, that was something that I'm a fan of uh, martial arts, and I'm a big fan of of that um, that era. That's I I was a martial artist because I was inspired by Bruce Lee. I was inspired by. Wesley Snipes and, and and other martial artists I saw, and I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to, to do that on screen. I always pictured myself as, like, the the henchman for the main bad guy or something like that. Okay. So when I put this together, it was really just testing the waters with um, an idea that I had and then kind of just trying to write a script and starting it out with an outline and it becoming a script. And then... It really just becoming, hey, I used to do videos. Let me go to my videographer. Let me go to put my resources together, and and let's see what we can do. And at the time, I was still doing music, so in order to raise the funds, it was easy for me to just, okay, I'm going to sell a product. I'm going to sell this album. I'm going to do these shows and take all this money that I make from that and put it towards this as the budget to make this happen. And that's really how that one came about. Mm, that's that's dope because it's basically like you put it together. How mm. long from outline to script did it take? Um, 
I'm going to say it was a couple months okay. because I really didn't really know how I wanted to go about the fight scenes um, portion of that because I had never done it. Like, fighting on screen is different than fighting in real life. Mm-hmm. Or, like, when I spar and um, or I'm training, I'm fighting to hit someone. In a film, I'm fighting, I'm performing to make it look like I'm hitting someone without hitting them. So it's two different movements. So if I'm throwing a punch to someone's face, you know, I'm throwing a straight punch. If I'm throwing it in the film, I'm, I'm expanding on the movement so it looks good on camera. So mm-hmm. these are all things that I, I learned as I was going along with the fight choreographer I was working with and things that he taught me. And that was the whole process of uh, pre-production, having these conversations of how do you want the fight to look? Do you want it to look like a real fight? Do you want it to look like a performance? Do you want it to, how long do you want it to be? And 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 just all these things that at the time I had no idea. Okay. So it was just kind of those things were like, okay, well, before we do that, we're going to do this. So let me push that back and get ready for this. So putting it all together took a couple months to really, af- like, after we did the outline and we did the draft, we went back and changed some things to to make it better fit once we learned what we were going to need to do. Okay. Um, so, you know, I got ADD. So, I, I just thought when you talked about fighting, how did you feel about the Fury fight? Wasn't really a surprise to me, the outcome. Dude, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought maybe it was a possibility that he would have maybe gave him a little run for his money. He, I didn't know he, it was going to be a knockout, though. He, he did, but to me, I feel like the, the only way the fight would have went the other way, my, my only tiff that I had was if Tyson Fury, because there were rumors that Tyson Fury was going to come in like 20 pounds heavier, Okay. and I know like you hear things like he wanted Joshua. He didn't really want this fight. So in my mind, if, if he comes in slacking and doesn't take Wilder seriously, Wilder still has a, uh, that one-punch knockout power. Mm-hmm. So one hit can change the fight. And he dropped Fury a couple times. Yeah. But as it goes to the later rounds, at the end of the day, Fury is a, an, a great boxer. Yeah. And Fury is is someone for his size to move the way he moves and to have the stamina he does is pretty amazing. And as it just kept going on, you just see the difference between a puncher and a boxer. Yeah. You know? But respect to Deontay, though. I'm, I'm, I just wanted to say... If you put them two next to each other and never uh, seen any one of them fight, mm-hmm. <laughs> Fury got a bad body, bro. He doesn't look at a boxer at look like a boxer at all. So like, I, that was where my hope came in. Like, yo, maybe Deontay got his stamina up mm-hmm. because honestly, that's that's kind of what failed in the first two fights. He blamed it on a bunch of other stuff, but I feel like. This again showed that like his stamina like is not there at all. Especially, hmm. his, he hit hard, but the problem is that he's used to knocking somebody out in the earlier rounds. Well, you you also see certain things that like uh, a technical boxer can pick up on. Like there's certain openings to where you know when you're in the clinch and you're coming out of the clinch and you can land the uppercut. When you're throwing a punch and you're leaving your face wide open. Certain angles that Tyson Fury uses to where it's like you know Deontay's going for that punch mm-hmm. and it's easy for uh, Tyson Fury to slip and land a counter. It's easy for him to just break down Deontay Wilder because Deontay Wilder is just not as good a boxer as Tyson Fury. Yeah, so he basically made him pay for his mistakes. That's yeah. really what it was. All right, back on topic, back on topic. So, um... The acting thing and everything like that, this is going on now. You're getting into the roles. You're putting your, you're putting your, your works together and everything like that. Uh, were you always into acting, or did you realize uh, your gift as you were making videos uh, for your music or as you were writing it? I always was I always was interested in acting mm-hmm. because I love movies. I love film, and I've always wanted to do it. But um, 
I see myself more so like a behind the scenes type person now, more so than I did when I was younger, just because I enjoy the creative process. Like I enjoy the process of planning. I enjoy the process of like writing and, and mapping everything out and then seeing it all come together because the performance aspect of it isn't really something that I favor as much because I've like I've done certain roles where I don't write it. I'm just performing what you wrote and trying to do the best with that. And I don't really think that's where my best attributes lie. Okay. Like I don't think I'm the greatest actor in the world, but I just I love just writing and I just I've always loved writing. That's why I love doing hip hop as well. The creative process, even when I did rap, it was always the fun part for me was always putting together the project and anticipating how people would. Yeah, word. That's it. that's just what I was saying. Like I love I love the process of making something. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm the type of person like I like my father and like that. He always was good with his hands, working on stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm good with a pen, bro. Anything that has to do with coming up with a story or putting something together, I love the art of that because it's like you make something from nothing, bro. It's yeah. all something inside of your head, and you can make somebody else love it. So sales, everything in my life has to do with what I can do with painting a picture for somebody, making somebody want something. The whole sales process, I love that. I love selling something that probably wasn't as amazing until I said something about it. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So I understand where you come from with that. Favorite actor? Of all time? Yeah. Um... Wesley Snipes. Okay. Do you think Michael B. Jordan is the new Denzel? No. This is a question that's out here in the streets. That's no. all I'm asking. No. At all? No. No way? No. Can Does he have the potential to be on his level? No. Okay. Can, can't explain? I think that Michael B. Jordan um, is a good physical actor. Okay. But I think that what Denzel brings to the table, it's just the way Denzel could rip through dialogue is... Like, I, even the most meh movie from Denzel, to me, is still intriguing to watch because of him. Like, Denzel, to me, is, is, is the cream of the crop when it, comes to, when it comes to that. Like, I feel Michael B. Jordan, I don't want to say he's just a quote-unquote sex symbol, because I think he's a talented actor as well. But I just think he's in a, a, a different lane. Like, I feel like Chadwick Boseman was closer to that. Okay. Than um, what Michael B. Jordan is. All right, because that was my next question. Actor. I was going to say, well, who would you fill into that? So, okay. Yeah, I feel Chadwick Boseman as a performance actor, the way he blends into a role, the way he he dives into a performance. I feel like there was a lot of people that only saw him in Black Panther and really thought he was African. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, And I just feel like when you have that type of an impact on, on people, when you can do a role or and make an audience get invested in a character to the point where they see you as that character and then you can continue to do that for different performances. They don't just see you as the person. They see you as the character. I feel like that's the gift of really um, being the chameleon yeah. in acting. You yeah, know I, feel like, I feel like with especially our race, black people, mm -hmm. we love saying... You remember Black Panther? Like that's all he is in every mm -hmm. movie. With him, it was different. It was Chadwick Boseman in different uh, in different movies. So I understand where you're coming from. Let's see. If you had a chance to work with any, let's 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 do this in two parts. Okay. If you had a chance to work with any actor, dead or alive, who would it be? Any actor, dead or alive. Um, 
in today's landscape, I would love to work with Keanu Reeves. Okay. Like uh, in a John Wick type setting, like be one of the villains that takes him on mm-hmm. and ultimately get killed by Mr. Wick. I think that would be dope. That'd be fire. If you had to go anyway, I would like that. I would like to go <laughs> with Keanu Reeves. I got my ass kicked by Keanu Reeves. Now, artists, dead or alive. Um, Erica Badu would probably okay. be somebody that I didn't see you coming with that one. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like her style. I like I like her 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 vibes, her aura, and her soulful sound. I think okay. that would be a dope collab. Um, actor for me, Samuel L. Jackson. I just love the way he say motherfucker. I would love to be in a motherfucker scene, uh, like where he say motherfucker, like Pulp Fiction motherfucker, like that one. Artists, I think honestly. I'm not gonna lie, I would love like a uh, oh man, Jasmine Sullivan. Hmm. Jasmine Sullivan, yo, hotels that that broke me. Like <laughs> I wanted to be, I just wanted like if it ever was a time in my life where you'd be like, yo, did you ever just want to be a girl? I wanted to be a hurt woman so bad listening to hotels, bro. I just love that album. Like I talk about that all pick. the time. Yeah, I love her. You don't do you don't like Jasmine Sullivan? I haven't really gotten into her enough to oh, really judge Louis, that. Oh, Louie, of all people, bro. I uh, think that so. she would be amazing. You got to listen to that. I think she, I think she would be dope for you. Uh, what, this is a good one right here. Mm-hmm. What movie do you feel like should have come out different, and if you had the chance, you could do it over, that you would? Like, what movie do you feel like, ah, I feel like they could have did this better, and if I had a chance, I'd kill that movie. Like, I, if I could get the actors I want... And just produce this movie or direct this movie over. I would love to do that. Uh, there's a lot that I could probably think of. Um, you want to do a top five? I didn't think you had that many, but well, I'm a, I'll I'll go recently. I'll say Candyman. The new okay. Candy, the new Candyman right. just came out. All right, and you feel like you could have done it better? Well, in my opinion, I just would have went a different way with it. Like I would have uh, the storyline. I feel like the pieces that were involved were were, were good pieces, but I feel like the storyline, as I was watching it, I kept saying to myself and the person I was with, I kept saying like, "Why? I thought they should have did like this. Why wouldn't they? This this doesn't make sense to do like that." But you know, it's it's one's creative vision. You know, I'm I'm no no hate from me. It's but. two movies that I thought that you was gonna say because I know you though, and that's 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 a little biased. But I thought you was gonna say, especially if we were talking about like. Movies that mean a lot to us growing up. Mm-hmm. I thought that you was gonna say uh, Lion King and Space Jam. Lion King. I, f- I felt like you. I, I thought that you wouldn't like the new and, Lion King. Oh, the new Lion King. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I, I mean, <laughs> I thought you were talking about the classic Lion no, King. No, 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 no. I felt like I was thinking, and, and this was probably I should have probably said the question better. I was thinking about movies that they remade that that like we were like, okay, yeah, they should have just left this one alone. Like remakes that shouldn't have been made. Yeah. Oh, that that, that that's a long list. There's a lot of that's why when you said that, I was like, because at first when I wrote this question, I was like, yo, he probably got a top five, but I don't want to drain him with this question. Nah, if you're asking that, then there's a, I mean, to be honest, respect, I didn't see Space Jam 2. I didn't care to watch it. Horrible. I didn't care to watch it. Usually I'm down for the remix Mm because I I like something new that I like before. Horrible. I saw the trailer and I just, in my mind, I'm like, why do we need a Space Jam 2? But I can't judge the film because I didn't watch it out of fairness. I want to give the benefit of the doubt there. Lion King, didn't really care for it. Don't really care for the live action versions of cartoons in a lot of aspects. Aladdin was okay. Didn't feel that was necessary. Mulan, Mm. definitely didn't feel that was necessary. Mm. The upcoming um, uh, Little Mermaid movie, I don't really, I, I, 
live adaptations of cartoon films, I don't really feel translate well majority of the time. Okay. So I would definitely say that. But yeah, majority of remakes. It would be a shorter list to name the remakes that I feel like recently that were great or like worthy of. Because I feel like if you're remaking something, I feel like it should be about... I'm gonna remake. I'm gonna remake this because I feel like we can do this better in this era with certain capabilities that we didn't have back in the '80s or '90s or whatever, whatever. Like, mm. if you take like, if you if you're taking a film and it's like, like we could expand upon this and tell this story like this. This is why I think we should remake it, as opposed to this made money back then. Let's just drop it in this era because we'll get the old fans to come out and let's try to get some new fans in and make money. I feel like if that's your bottom dollar for doing a remake, then, I mean, from a business standpoint, I get why the studios do it. But from an artistic standpoint, I'm not really a fan of that. So, off of what you just said, name three movies that were amazing, the remake. Um, I think the It remake was very good. Okay. I think. I agree with that. Um. The Thing remake was very good. The Thing. I didn't technically I don't think I seen that. Technically speaking. Okay. It depends what you consider. Technically speaking, one could say Scarface is a remake, technically. Of? It's uh, It was an older older film that came out. It's 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 slightly done differently. I will, I'm, I'm going to say, for my third pick, I will pro- I'm going to say Halloween 2018. Okay. Just, just because there's aspects of that that me personally I would change. But I feel like that you had the idea to try to, to to try to tell a fresh story, and I feel like there was love, care, and passion put into why you did this over, as opposed to let's just reboot Michael Myers for this generation. Okay. But I I'm more of a fan of like original ideas. I feel like instead of redoing Michael, let's get a new slasher. Instead of redoing Chucky or redoing Freddy. Because the problem, the biggest problem with remaking classics, like um, there was room, long rumors of a new Jack City remake or even a Scarface remake. I was about to say, Dragon how do you feel remake. about Michael B. Jordan playing that Scarface? Because that's what's coming. I don't like that either. I don't. I don't understand that. But okay, I, I get it. Because how I you feel, feel like the, okay. I feel like sorry. I have to interrupt. But I feel like like are who's gonna be Tony Montana better than Pacino? Yeah. Who's gonna be Nino Brown better than the Snipes? Who's gonna be, you know, show enough better than than, than show enough in the Last Dragon? And if you reboot it for this era, like the Home Alone uh, rumors as well, in my mind when I first heard that, it's just like, how are you gonna do Home Alone in 2021? Part of the reason why Home Alone worked is we didn't have cell phones back then. Yeah. So you have to obviously adapt the script, but if you, so you have to change the whole thing around to fit this era. Then you change it so much, you might as well just make a fresh yeah, movie, and make say, your and own call movie. Call it something else because yeah. people go and reflect on the older version. Because all a remake is gonna do, yes, you may get some old fans out, but all people are gonna do is compare, and you're never gonna do that better than that. So just do your own movie. Okay. How do you feel about the uh, Fast and Furious collection? I love the Fast and Furious movies. Okay. I'm just asking because <laughs> some people, some franchises. people feel like they should stop. Why? It's, I loved every movie. I, I loved every movie. I'm a, I'm a car dude. So admittedly, I, I wasn't too crazy about Part Nine, but I I was invested in going because I followed the story. Much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's a universe that's been around for 20 years. The first Fast and Furious movie came out in no one. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So you you get up to the point where when I hear people saying, "Why do they keep making these?" Well, because they make money. Mm-hmm. Fast Nine is the highest grossing Hollywood film of the pandemic, 700 million, and no films even come close to that. 
statistics. They make money. We love statistics you know? here at Lua. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when you have a business, your goal is to make a profit. Yes. It is what it is. Movies like Fast and the Furious keep the lights on for studios and generate enough money to be able to make these smaller movies that you enjoy. Okay. So movie theaters suffering during the pandemic. Why? Because they have no films to play. A movie like Fast and Furious comes out that gets people in the theaters. People are buying the snacks. People are buying the tickets. These keep movie theaters in business. The big blockbusters help keep these studios and businesses alive in order to give us these smaller Oscar bait type movies, artsy movies we like. Okay. You know? I like that. <laughs> Let's play a second game. Casual Court. Mm-hmm. So usually this is the drinking game. We are not drinking today. I am not gonna lie. I didn't want to drink today. Louis P does not drink like that. So this is a great day to say that we are off with the drinking. We just gonna ask these questions, and you got to get them right. Okay. Okay. It's four questions. So I know that you are in love with Marvel, DC World, and just huh? movies in general. So I got some good ones that I didn't know, of course. So number one, who is Tony Stark's father? Howard Stark. Oh, shit. You got that right. Okay. Number two. What type of doctor is Doctor Strange? He's a... Oh, shit. Yeah, that was a good one. I want to say cardiologist. Fuck no. Neurosurgeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, got his ass. Okay. Number three. Captain America's shield and Bucky's arm are made out of what material? Vibranium. Okay. Good one. Okay. Number four, and the last one. Who was able to pick up Thor's hammer in Endgame? Captain America. Thank you for playing Casual Court. Last couple of questions, then we got one more game to play at the end. So, okay. uh, did you watch Dave Chappelle's special? No, I didn't. Oh, my God, I, I, did, I did not. I heard, I'm aware of all the controversy around oh, it and everything like so that. It's so amazing, bro. But I, I, I have not seen it yet. This is going to go down in history books like uh, Eddie Murphy's, um, what is it called? Which one? Uh, the, the one with the red, with the red leather. A raw, a delirious? This is going to go down in the history books like that. This was an amazing, amazing stand-up. And I feel like he, if if this is what he was meant to accomplish, make people uh, create the conversation, mm-hmm. it's an amazing thing. Because I feel like the climate that we are in is this cancel culture where you can't say anything about anybody. They've been talking about us for three to four hundred years. Not only talking about us, killing us, raping us, uh, hanging us, everything mm-hmm. Like that, and a new, a new. I'm not gonna say a new type of person or a new. Uh, mm, how would you say it? A new sexuality, or how huh. would you say it? You talking about trans? Yes, a new, a new. I don't, I don't want to say the wrong word because shit, we just starting. I don't want to mm-hmm. get my ass canceled. But a, a a new form of expressing yourself has come out, and mm-hmm. now it's like. They're so sensitive that you can't talk about them. What? Are you crazy? That's what comedy is about. Yeah. If you you already know if you go to a comedy show in the first row, you better come correct because mm-hmm. you might get smoked in the front sh- in the front row. I feel like now we're at a place in American time where, like he said, a, a black person could get killed or a black person could get talked about, but the moment you realize the black person was gay. Oh my God, that's that's the worst thing in America mm-hmm. to do, and this is what he was talking about, and it's true. 
And it's a different type of conversation when you have black people who are gay and who are transgender saying, listen, we're comedians. We talk about stuff like this. Mm -hmm. The same way they talk about the same say the same way we talk about them, they can talk about us. And it's okay because we're in a comedy type of uh type of atmosphere where mm -hmm. it's people get talked about, you know, and I feel like they are killing an entire uh uh entertainment a lane by saying, listen, we shouldn't talk about this, we shouldn't talk about that, you're making people feel uncomfortable. Social media has played, made people so tender and I just mm -hmm. do not like it, bro. We are we are at the point now where honestly, I think warfare is gonna be people shooting tweets back and forth. Like, it's, you ain't even gonna have to go to war no more. It's just gonna be a hundred people in the room with the best jokes and if you kill somebody's self-esteem, we won the war. Like, that's how I feel like the direction we going. I wish you would've seen it. Well, I, I, I can say this to expand upon that. I feel like, A, comedy and that the certain types of discussions are meant to make people uncomfortable. So the whole, like, you know, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You don't want to... Art is expressive, much like, much like music, much like film, as is comedy. You know what I'm saying? So throughout the years, from your Red Foxes, your Richard Pryors, your, there's always been controversial comedians that have gotten their fair share of, of uh, complaints from people over the years. And a lot of them are the most legendary ones that we know. Yeah. So when you have someone that says a conversation, like if, you have, if you're talking about the trans stuff and Dave Chappelle is making jokes and you're saying, well, you can, you can crack on black people, you can crack on white people, but you can't crack on trans people. But at the same time, you want everyone to be equal. Yeah. That in itself is a contradiction. Yeah. Because if you want everyone to be equal, then you can't give anyone special treatment. Absolutely. Part of why a Dave Chappelle comedy special works is very similar to South Park and Family Guy, because no one is off limits. Mm -hmm. Everyone can get it. It's not necessarily mean-spirited to the point of just trying to be mean-spirited. They're jokes. You know, so sometimes you just laugh at yourself. Like, I mean, it's like Dave Chappelle has done a lot of slavery skits. Those were cool to laugh at. Yeah. He's done a lot of white face skits. Those were cool to laugh at. So you can't then now say, well, you can't touch on this or you can't touch on that. Because to me, that is that's that's the problem that we have. And honestly, in this era, a lot of a lot of it is just, you know, Everything is just too soft. Everything is about, like, inclusion for the sake of inclusion. Everything is about, like, oh, we don't want to offend, so we're going to water this down. And then your product, that's why we're not going to get a lot of new classics. Yeah. Even when even when you speak of film, like, a lot of what makes a lot of the classic films classics is there was no, there was no filter. Bro. But you can watch a classic film and say to yourself, wow, they would never try that today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if it's like just a certain line, a certain joke. I feel like if Martin came out today, bro, they would smoke his boots. If Martin I mean, the show yeah. came out today, they would smoke his boots. And that's a classic. And it's like, bro, I feel like I feel like the way, like, even my podcast, this is casual conversations, but this is called the safe place. So mm -hmm. this is where you talk about anything and everything. I've had people who are part of the L LBG, uh sorry, the LGBTQ community come up here and told me about it and I learned about kinks and I've learned about different types of things that people are into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's open for discussion, but I'm not gonna lie. I have friends that I have sat out on the block with until five in the morning when I was in the streets that are gay, that are trans, and they out here getting money with me that have had my back. Mm -hmm. And guess what? When we get into our little hiking matches, it's like, 
oh, da, 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 we hike and we tell our jokes and we keep it moving. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't feel like because I'm hiking on you or because I tell a joke or something like that, it's no way we could be friends if I can't come to you honestly and tell you what I think about something. Mm-hmm. Am I going to agree with every situation that you are put in? No, absolutely not. But that's what creates bonds with friendship because yeah. you know what I like and what I don't like. And you should be able to represent me as a gay friend or as a trans friend and say, no, he doesn't mean it like that. You know what I'm saying? It's just some stuff he isn't down with. That's like if I bring you to a party and all you do is smoke, but all I do is drink and the party is a drinking party and you come there and they like, oh, now you can't you can't smoke in here. But they trying to force drinks on you. No, I gotta find you a section for you to smoke because that's what you do, mm-hmm. and I want you comfortable at this party too. And I feel like people, people, people take it so far with with stuff, and it's like they don't want you to express yourself at all. If you're not against it, don't deal with us or don't work with us. But the problem is that when we really look at these situations, when you get to these higher ups, it's all different types of people in these chairs. So you should be able to express yourself and not feel like, oh, nah, I can't express myself because they're gonna cancel me. Well. And, and that's important, too. But I also feel like the important part that a lot of people miss is what you said. It's it's having those uncomfortable conversations yeah. that you disagree with. Yeah. And to me, that goes beyond that. That goes with the cancer culture topics. That goes with the vaccine mandates. Absolutely. That goes with a perfect example that I saw that was when Trump was elected. Okay. You know, there was a lot of people pro-Trump, a lot of people against Trump. And it's like if you were pro-Trump— the, the non-Trump supporters will look at you a certain way to the point where I can't even be friends with you. You support him. And yeah. vice versa. For me, you know, I, I had a, I knew people that were pro. I knew people that were against. But from both perspectives, I just wanted to know why. In my opinion, it's like, well, what are you against? Or what are you pro? And, you know, just I like to I like to hear the other side of the argument just because out of respect for discussion, whether I agree with you or not, that's irrelevant. I just want to really listen to your side and know where you're coming from. Same thing as it relates to to cancel culture. Same thing. Like, I'm not really a big fan of how cancel culture has just become a thing where it's just like, he says something I don't like, cancel him. She says something I don't like, cancel her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially when it doesn't really warrant that. Like, the Dave Chappelle stuff. They've been trying to cancel Dave Chappelle for years. This is a man that walked away from $50 million by choice. And everyone said he's crazy. He's in Africa sick or whatever, whatever. Like, Dave Chappelle is not cancelable. Cancelable. Yeah. Yeah. It's much like Kanye West. Kanye West is not cancelable. Yeah. At the end of the day, these are their own bosses, and they will always have their own fan bases. So if you're really that offended by that, I mean, honestly speaking, you don't have to watch it. I like different aspects of comedy, like like a Jim Jeffries. He does a lot of religious skits. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're talking about religion, he's an atheist. You're talking about religion, there's going to be a lot of people that just aren't down with that. Yeah. So don't listen to it. But there's a place to exist, and there's a fan base for all of that. And that's the worst thing. I feel like people, people of people of, especially like our uh, genre. I mean, sorry, not our genre, our generation. Mm-hmm. We watch stuff that we know are going to get us set upset. And we watch it expecting a different outcome, bro. Like, if, if it's something, this is what people don't understand. The way culture is now in social media, and I think, honestly, that's how they sell it. They say, they honestly, it was probably, if you look at the, the real uh, facts about it, it probably was Dave Chappelle's camp that put out, Dave Chappelle said something about trans uh, community. Mm-hmm. Because what, what, what happens now is that we only look for the drama. What did Dave Chappelle do? What did the, this whole message? That's why I said you gotta watch it. I'm gonna leave it I'm, on this I'm, note. I'm gonna check it out. You gotta check it out, and when you check it out, shoot me a text because people only took that excerpt out of the whole entire thing. But his main thing was 
I'm a comedian. Mm -hmm. And other people, he talked about Kevin Hart talking about stuff when they took away the Oscars. We are comedians. Mm -hmm. We are the ones that make America laugh when we're going through turmoil. You got to think we just went through basically almost like a Great Depression in 2008. Mm -hmm. And guess what? What the, the, the main two jobs that flourished in there were comedians and people who are motivational speakers. That's what came out of all of that. And what's happening now is that you're putting basically a muzzle on those people. You can't do that because they have something to say, and everybody has different views. America is supposed to be the land of the free, and if it's not that, then we just like every other country here. Round of applause for me, goddammit. That's a fact. Fuck this shit, goddammit. <laughs> all right, let's get back to you, man. So, what's some things that you have learned or start practicing before you started your roles in uh, Ramel Carter and, uh, and the Deranged? Uh, well, when I did the new short I just put out, um, when I did the Derange, it was, um, it was I took a lot of inspiration from Halloween. It's one of my favorite uh, horror mo horror movie films, period. But it's one of my favorite horrors. Just in certain in certain aspects of um, how I wanted to introduce characters, like I didn't really want to make a whole arc and give everything away in this outing. I wanted to make it a, a, a part type thing. I was originally going to be a series, but I wanted to make it like a like a two to three parter. So I just wanted to put emphasis more so on characters and, and, and just hanging out with the characters before stuff starts to go down. And that's just off of um, when I watch a lot of films, I watch it from like a studying aspect now. Like I'll look at something and... I'll pick up on things that I didn't pick up on when I used to just watch them as a kid to where it's just like, oh, this part in this movie that just seems so, like, unnecessary actually helps to enhance this part of the film. And that's kind of the, the route that I took when it comes to this project because I feel like with horror, it's subjective. What scares someone or what freaks someone out is different. And I wasn't really going for that. It's more of a thriller. But I just wanted to go from the aspect of, like, um, getting people to certain places without doing unnecessary things. Like, for an example, like, you see in, like, a horror movie in a certain era, there's, like, a noise outside, and someone will grab a flashlight and investigate. Like, hello? Or there's a noise in the basement. They'll open the basement door. Hello? Hold Nobody on, time out, time out, time out. White people shit. So this is black people scary movies. Like, oh, that shit out there? I bet. I'm going the other way. Well, I just mean from a stamp... All right. Like in Candyman, without spoiling it, but there's a part in the new Candyman where there's there's this black chick and she's looking for her boyfriend and she goes into this uh, this place and then she opens the door. It's a basement and it's just dark and then you just hear her go nope and she closes the door, and it got laughs in the theater because in a lot of people's mind that's exactly they wouldn't go down there. Yeah. And when you look at a lot of these movies and you hear like a noise in the basement, most of the time. If you're home alone and you just hear something and you're watching TV, most of the time you mute the TV. Like, did I just hear something? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you, your first instinct usually isn't just to grab a flashlight. Hello? Like, you, like you're expecting someone to yeah. answer. But the, the screenwriter needs the character to be in the basement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the easiest ways a lot of screenwriters have found was just cut the power off. So they have to go fix the, they have to go check the power box to yeah. get them where they need to get them. So I feel like from a storytelling aspect, it's just making characters do certain things that the audience would say, that's what I would do. That's that's a smart decision. And that, in turn, makes you like the characters better, as opposed to if you have characters just do dumb things, the audience eventually gets to the point where they're like, ah, I hope you, you deserve to die. You just like. What's one thing in scary movies that you hate that the actors do? Tripping over nothing. 
Oh, I hate that. I just was about to say that, man. <laughs> I hate when they take off running. I said, this bitch, I'll be like, this bitch about to fall. Yeah. This bitch, about, it's going to be a tree stump in a cornfield mm-hmm. out of nowhere. This is going to be bad. I hate that shit. So, tell us about the two roles that you play in both movies. Like, explain it to people. So, yeah, I want to know about the role, but tell them basically, like, kind of what the movies are about. If you had to sell them to the people. Well, Ramel Carter, I play a former bodyguard whose wife gets kidnapped and held for ransom, and I have a certain amount of time. My character has a certain amount of time to either pay the ransom or my wife dead. So I choose, my character chooses to figure out where they are, and it ends up being I'm fighting through a bunch of people to rescue her. And that was um, something that just, it's a simple premise. But it was the performance aspect that we were going for, for that okay. one. Like, we t- put a lot of focus on, like, just um, certain homages. Like, there's a, a, a homage to Game of Death when my character is going up different levels to face different style of fighters. Mm. You know, and that was, you know, not so blatant, but it just, it's a little inspiration there because I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. Okay. Um, for the deranged, I just, I kind of just play a normal character. It's The focus is mostly on... Um, three female characters, uh, one played by Kenya, one played by um, my friend uh, Nola, and one played by my friend Rena. All three talented, talented uh, people. Shout out, and y'all! Come to the show. Salute. And um, so the story, the story centers around the story centers around like there's like a, a mysterious backstory and mysterious links that haven't really been explored yet in the time we spend with the characters. But I, I, without really giving anything away, it just it's it follows a group of friends that get together for a movie night, and then they get attacked by somebody who was stalking them by a madman who was stalking one of the friends. So mm-hmm. they end up in his targets. You don't, without the rhyme or reason get being given away. It's basically like somewhat of a home invasion type thing. Okay. And um, that's gonna kick off the first part to like a saga that I wanted to do. What's up? So uh, tell us about some. Um, tell us about a time where you were close to quitting and didn't. Like I know, like changing from a hip hop artist to an actor to a producer, it, it got to be some quitting in there. When my homeboy Jay Black died, mm, R.I.P. Jay Black. When he passed away, um, that was a very very tough time because me and him, like when it came to music, like we built our own studio. And every night we would just be in the studio, just working, working. Whether it's like a new song come out, yeah, let's bust a freestyle out of that. Let's let's do that just to sharpen the skills. Uh, he started producing and, and making his own beats, and we would just pump out mixtapes after mixtapes, tracks after tracks, and all of that. We would, you know, Funk Flex got the car show in town. Why right, we gonna hit that up and sell our, our CDs? Yeah, we gonna go to Times Square and sell our CDs. We are gonna do this. So his grind is something that. Inspired and influenced my grind as well, and when he died, it was just like an emptiness. Took a piece of you. Yeah, it's just like even going in studio, just like it just was. It was never the same after that, and it it I did take a little time off from that. Like people were asking me, like, "Are you going to do a tribute track? Are you going to?" And it was like I, the the last thing I'm really thinking about is rapping something right yeah, now. Yeah, talking know? about so. something like that. So uh, I want you to tell the people your website, where they can catch you at, and what's some new things coming. Well, my website is louisptv.com. Uh, you know, we have a lot of new things coming uh, with the Kicking It With Kenya show. We got a lot of new episodes that we're about to start shooting 
when we start to do the new season for that. We got to get her up here, man. Oh, yeah. I she, love she, that. She, I love the be, podcast, by the way. She, I Don't. appreciate it, man. I, I, I know she'd be happy to come. Yeah. And um, we got we got a lot of new shorts on the way. We're going to do the sequels to both for Mel Carter and The Deranged. And a couple other shorts that I, that I want to do that aren't really as long, but just shorter shorts. Um, a lot of skits, you know, maybe even some music. Who knows? Nah, you know, I'm looking for that. In. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that. That's dope. I just want to say before we do this last game, uh, uh, casual questions, I want to thank you so much for coming up here, bro, because you you do basically your branding, your, your producing, everything like that, but you also work, bro. So this is you basically coming either on an off day or you taking off work, you know what I'm saying? Either way, I just want to thank you so much for coming up here because I do think what you're doing is phenomenal, bro. And the fact that you stick with it, and I like the fact that, bro, you're in in no way, shape, or form, like, you not, like, honestly, let's just keep it real, you're not like a hood nigga. Like, mm -hmm. you really you really do what takes me done, and you, and, you, and you into furthering your people without saying it too much. You know what I'm saying? You you build, you are a stepping stone, and you build what's around you, and you are a person that's like a true friend to, to others that you're around, and you really tell your honest opinion. That's hard to find these days, because like we said, it's a cancel culture. It's like, I'm not going to hang around them because they feel like they don't like what I got going on, when no, you're trying to hone in and sharpen somebody else's skills. So, I just want to give a round of applause for you for coming up here. Here. Well, I appreciate you for having me, man. Right. It was a dope thing, and, I, and it was dope just catching up in general. So, we're going to play this last game. How much time we got left, Marv? Five minutes. I'm always taking back some time from y'all. I like it. So, casual questions. Either or. Mm -hmm. That's all you can do. No explanation, no nothing. Okay. And at the end of it, we just say salute to the people, man. All right? Gotcha. Casual questions. Ten. Y'all know the rundown. Let's start with number one. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Samuel L. Jackson or Morgan Freeman? Samuel L. Jackson. Hip-hop or production? Hip-hop. Soul food or Caribbean food? Caribbean. New York or New Jersey? New York. Drink or smoke? Drink. Pool party or rooftop? Rooftop. This one is this about to get crazy right now. Kobe or Jordan? <sighs> love it. I love it. I love it. Kobe. Wow. Mulberry or Iverson? Iverson. Okay. Uh, Ramel Carter or the Deranged? <laughs> the Deranged. Thank you guys so much for watching Casual Conversations. I'm your boy Smack Valley the Don with my man Louis P. And we are out of here. Peace out. Peace.